0: Hello there. Welcome to a brand new Arseblog, Arsecast, right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. Thanks for listening, as always. What a day. What a day I'm having. I've just come back in from walking the dog. It's Friday, obviously. Well, it's Thursday now when I'm recording, but Friday when you're listening, and it's going to be a bank holiday weekend here in Ireland. It is the May bank holiday weekend, and does that not to you conjure up images of May, the start of summer, getting warmer. You know, if you're lucky, you could sit outside a bar without having to wear an overcoat and a blanket and a sleeping bag and a woolly hat. And if you're really, really lucky, you could go out and perhaps cook some food on the barbecue. I mean, it's really lucky, I know, but it's fucking freezing. I was just out with the dog and I got hailed on for the third day in a row. And basically, I just want to kind of say, fuck hail. Hail is, it hurts. It hurts my head. And maybe because I don't have a big thick covering of hair like David Louise or Sideshow Bob from which the the hail can just bounce off. But no, it still hurts my head. And it's cold. And this is not the way a bank holiday weekend is supposed to be. And I was in town earlier, so I've got some coffee here because it's cold, I was in town earlier, city centre, where my studio is, and there were some people doing some recording in there, and I was walking up Grafton Street, and there was a man standing on Grafton Street singing at the top of his lungs about praying, 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 praying. I don't know what, everybody he was going, you got to pray, you got to pray. And I was sort of ignoring him and just w- listening to a podcast walking by and I had to walk close to him and he came right up into my face and was like, you got to pray. And I was like, just go, go away from me. I don't like that. I don't like that. Leave aside the, the, the message about praying, which I'm not into. I get that some people are, that's fine. I got no issue with that, but don't come so close to me. Don't get like near me. Because I don't know where you've been, frankly. And it's rude to come up and just sing into somebody's face. I mean, you wouldn't just walk up to somebody and start reciting poetry at them at the top of your voice or read them an essay that you wrote when you were a child about a spaceship that came down from space and did things and was all spacey and stuff. You wouldn't do that. So don't come up to somebody and start singing at them. That's just my little piece of advice. So if you were thinking about going down to the main shopping street in your town or city, wherever you live, and standing there with no musical instrument, no accompaniment whatsoever, I mean, the very least he could do was perhaps get like a, some kind of small drum or like a Casio organ. I mean, you don't even have to know how to play. You just do one of the presets and it goes... and You could sing along with that. Don't be just lazy, just standing there. So if you are thinking about doing that, don't do it. That's my advice to you. Find something else to do this bank holiday weekend, like build an igloo or sit by the fire, really, really cold, drinking brandy to to keep warm. It's not easy, is it? Life, walking along, you're just trying to mind your own business. As if things weren't trying enough at this moment in time. From an Arsenal point of view, I've got enough to be going on with. Everyone's rowing with everyone. Everyone's fighting about something. And if they're not fighting about something, they're fighting about the fact that they're not fighting about something. Where do people get the energy? Honestly. Sometimes, you know, I've got Twitter and I look at Twitter and I see things on Twitter. I don't engage with them, but I see people like rowing on Twitter all day, all day. They're talking, they're fighting, they're discussing, they're debating, they're there all day, and I go to bed, and I sleep for a while, and then I get up in the morning, and they're, they're still at it, or they've been at it for hours and hours and hours, and then you think, well, they're going to they're gonna have a lie-in, surely, these people, because, you know, you couldn't be doing that all day, and then, like, within minutes of getting up, they're at it again. It's too much. There's too much going on. It's never-ending, and I think, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to suggest that the fact that it never stops has an effect on on the mood to a certain extent. Like, when there wasn't 24-7 discussion about football, football was a thing that everyone was into. And everyone still loved and had passion for and enjoyed at the weekend or didn't enjoy at the weekend. And then after the game, there was, you know, beers and talking about the game. Like, oh, that was shit. And that player's shit. And fuck this. And yeah, a few more beers. And then you go home and now, while you're on your way home, you can sit on Twitter and still still argue about What are you talking about? And then you get home and you go for a plop and you're sitting on the toilet and you're like on Twitter. And then before you go to bed, you're lying in bed going. And then you get up the next morning and, and it just it never stops, doesn't it? it? Never, ever, ever stops, which in some ways is a good thing. We have more information, more access, more everything than ever before. But in some ways, I'm not sure it's that healthy. I do wonder about the long-term effects of this. If in perhaps some year's time, people are going to go like stark raving Lally. Are they going to have football fan asylums built on the hill, looking over the town, dark sinister buildings filled with football fans who have no frame of reference for life outside of calling each other cunts or calling some other football fans cunts or whining each other up on Twitter because that's all they do. It becomes their life their soul, their addiction I don't know I don't know but look here we are, another podcast another week in Arsenal ahead of a weekend of protest, A4 signs, time for change Arsenal is stale fresh approach needed think that's what it says. For a while thereafter, after it was uh, the story first came out about the protest I was wondering if there was like a clever acronym you know Arsenal is time for change, Arsenal is stale, fresh approach needed and I saw F- fresh approach needed, F-A-N, fan okay so that's got to be something then you have time for change Arsenal is stale and then no you don't. don't really have anything there what could you make? Fact is Fact is fan? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What am I talking about? What else could you have like uh, cat no uh, cats cat if cats if cats fan? What does that mean? Nothing. Nothing. I have to say though, if it were me, it would definitely have said something. Like, whatever you came up with, like, Arsenal is stale, time for change, etc., etc., all those things, like, the first letter of each one would have made up a, a word or, or words. It would have been, like, stand Twat or something like that. You know, just those layers of things. People enjoy those. But we're ahead of that particular uh, protest this weekend. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the uh, the Norwich game. It is a game that we've got to win. And then we go to Man City in our penultimate game. And then we go to Astonville. No, Astonville will come to us on the final day of the season. And whatever you think should happen in terms of the manager, whatever you think should happen in terms of the way the club is going, for me, it's got to involve finishing top four this season. I don't think you can necessarily make the right kind of progress by taking a step backwards. People were complaining enough about Thursday night football. We don't want any more of it, thanks very much. Let's keep it to like Tuesdays and Wednesdays and weekends. It's going to be Friday football next week uh, next season, isn't there? Am I right? So we could be playing Fridays or Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and European games, Tuesday and Wednesday, fingers crossed, touch wood, et cetera et cetera. So we're going to talk about that stuff and other things, I guess, between now and the end of the show. I just wanted to uh, read out an email that I got. Um, well, actually, an email that somebody else got who uh, forwarded it on to me. It's about the season ticket waiting list. And I guess when people talk about protests and when they talk about things that will have an effect on the club, you know, empty seats, for example, against West Brom were very obvious. But the the impact of that was negligible because all of those tickets have been bought and paid for already so it's not like the the empty seats equaled loss of revenue but we wonder then about what are, what's going on with season tickets and season ticket holders and we hear about a big long waiting list and uh, this particular person sent me on this email Uh, And it came from Arsenal, the uh, ticketing department in Arsenal. And it says, I've just tried to call you regarding your position on the ticket waiting list here at Arsenal. You're in a position where you will be offered a season ticket over the course of the next few seasons. Wanted to gauge your level of interest and see if you would like to take up the offer when contacted. Uh, It goes on to say then, it's likely that we will be calling you in the summer to offer you a season ticket for the 2016-17 season. But this is subject to team performance. So the start of the email, they say, we'll uh, offer you a season ticket over the course of the next few seasons. And then they say, it's likely we'll call you in the summer to offer you a season ticket depending on team performance. Wow. So the guy emailed back and was going, well, what exactly do you mean about um, team performance? And the guy said, well, it depends on qualification for the Champions League, as this will have a knock-on effect on season ticket renewals and churn rate. So there you go. Fairly upfront about that information, aren't they? So that's the situation with season tickets. And I suppose in some ways that's been the safety net for the club over the last number of years is that they've had this this huge long waiting list of people who will take up season tickets as and when they're offered. But if you go from the start of an email uh, to be somebody who's going to be offered a ticket in a couple of seasons, like two lines later in the email, it's likely you'll get one in the summer. If that email had gone on any longer, they probably would have delivered one by the time he'd finished reading it. So there's interesting stuff going on with tickets, isn't it? We'll have to wait and see what happens this summer, of course. Where we end up, do we have Champions League football next season? That will, I'm sure, affect people um, and whether they renew or not. And whether people will take up the offers of a season ticket if there is no Champions League football or if this season peters out in such a way that they don't see any light at the end of the tunnel. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there in terms of tickets and whether that starts to have an impact on the club and whether that has an impact on what the club does. There is that old cliche, isn't there, about good players putting bums on seats, that if you make good signings and sign exciting players and you renew the optimism and the hope of fans by getting in these good players, like uh, people will come and watch a Thierry Henry, a Dennis Bergkamp if you sign somebody like that. Like if you sign an Alexis Sanchez or a Mesut Ozil, I mean, that, that just invigorates people and gives them a little bit of belief and hope and excitement. If you sign, with the greatest of respect, Matthew Flamini... On a free transfer because he's training at the club and it's kind of convenient, that's not really going to put bums on seats. And aside from the fact that the club obviously need to increase the quality of the team and and make them better and more competitive next season, there's got to they've got to do something to just bring back some of the excitement. Because I think we all know, regardless of how this protest goes uh, tomorrow, how many people print out signs, how many people hold up signs... Whatever way it's reported, I think we know realistically that you can protest against Dan Kroenke all you like, and you know he's not going to go anywhere. He's not going to say, oh, well, they don't like me. I better sell my shares. We know that that's not going to happen. And with a year left on his contract and the board still very much behind him, as far as we know, Arsene Wenger is not going to go anywhere. So the excitement isn't going to come from a new manager, and it's not going to come from a new owner. It can only come from new players, from making the squad better. And for that reason, that's why we need Champions League football, because it does make that job easier. Now, questions, of course, remain about what the manager can do with the new players. Will it be more of the same, but just different faces? That That's the big question. But for me, that's the best thing that we can realistically hope for this summer, is a really active Good summer in the transfer market, because aside from that, I just don't see anything else changing. What that'll mean for next season, well, we don't know yet, but um, there you go. Anyway... Look, let's um, let's talk to somebody else, will we? Because I've been talking for a while here and my coffee's gone cold and it's still hailing and cold outside. So let's um, let's talk to someone else for a few minutes. Joining me now on the show to talk about the weekend and uh, whatever else might crop up, Tim Stillman. Hi there. Hello. We should start with what's going on this weekend, not from a football point of view, but during the week, uh, red action, black scarf movement and the Gooner uh, announced details. Of a protest to take place uh, during and after the Norwich game, they're urging people to uh, download and print out and display a sign at various points during the game and after the game as well. Um, before we get into the nuts and bolts of it, I mean, what do you make of the idea in general?
1: I have personally removed myself from it a little bit because I'm, you know, frankly, I'm I'm not going to join in myself. However. Um, I know something's been in the water here for quite a while um, and that that, um, these kind of support groups have been kicking around some ideas um, about what to do and when to do it. And I think it's such a thorny subject, really, because um, I think the frustrations that all of the groups have, really, is that everyone's talking a good game about what they would like to do. But when it comes down to it, they don't really do it. Um, And I certainly felt that myself um, at the Leicester game in February when I kind of willingly stood in the concourse um, to watch the first five minutes on the screens and then um, suddenly got loads of text messages from people saying, everyone's inside, nobody's done this protest. Oh
0: yeah, the Leicester fans who were supposed to stay out just didn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I kind of tried to do that in solidarity with them, but they didn't do it. So um, so I, I kind of get, You know that this this has been coming for quite a while, and that they've been looking for something to do. I think, in terms of the timing, while I don't agree with the wording um, that you know this is a meaningless end-of-season kickabout because Mm. it's not. um, It's not as important as we'd like it to be, and I fully understand and I'm on board with the apathy about finishing fourth. But as much as we're kind of bored and sick of it at the moment, come August if we're not in the Champions League we won't be and we might regret that apathy a little bit Mm. Um, but in in terms of if you're going to do it then they're quite right this is the best time Um, the season's petered out a little bit it's the last game that's on TV Um, and I think really it's kind of it's topical because of the amount of empty seats Mm. we've seen recently and not least at the West Brom game so I suppose Suppose if it's it's out there and it's in the news and people want to do something, um, then I suppose this is the time to do it really. And of course, that's very sensitive because nobody really wants to see, you know, this kind of disgruntlement during a game when the team need our support. But then, then that begs the question: when else do you do it? Yeah. Um, in terms of kind of the signage and things like that, um, again, I. I think they've tried to box a little bit clever in terms of saying time for change without specifying what that change actually is yes yeah. well I mean
0: this is what I was going to come to it's it's very it's very arsenal in the in the sense that it's quite polite in that yeah. nobody I think we all know at the heart of this is the desire to see a new manager and I think that's what yeah. where the the supporters groups are coming from but it was interesting to to talk to them during the week about about the idea behind it and and there was a sort of design by committee kind of thing mm. going on <clears throat> when you look at the statement um, the, the seven points that the Black Scarf Movement make uh, in their part of the statement, five of those are about the board mm. and I'm not saying that there aren't things to, to worry about from a board level but five of the seven are about the board one is about Arsene Wenger and one is indirectly about Arsene Wenger uh, mm. Red Action say we, we have a manager who seems to be past his best, and then they say whether it's the manager that has to change or Stan Kroenke. And then the Arsenal supporters trust this evening uh, have come out and backed the the uh, the campaign and the protest. Um, mm. and, and one of their points is uh, that there needs to be an overhaul of the football management and coaching structures. Mm. And it it seems that it's it's very vague. But at the heart yeah. of it, we know exactly what the what the crux of the, the, the point they want to make is.
1: Yeah, and I think that's that's been done to, uh, A, like you say, it's a design by committee, but that, um, that kind of signifies the fact that um, I think most Arsenal fans are at a point where they feel like change is necessary, but we can't agree on what that change needs to be or who's at fault. Um, And I think that's why it's been done like that, to try and mobilize people behind it. Because if you put, you know, if you encourage everyone to hold up a Wenger out sign, that's going to cause a lot of disenchantment, a cronky out sign, possibly less so. But I think it's just a way of trying to mobilize all these kind of, you know, Mm. Roman Judean people's front, the people's front of Judea, (laughs) you know, kind of thing that's really going on in the fan base and it's just it's just a way of trying to bring all of that together so really the message can mean whatever you want it to mean yeah i agree with you i think that it's it's about the manager really and um i think it's quite interesting because it almost signifies what's happening at the club i i think that um i i question how much Cronky is actually the problem um personally i i get that he's you know thousands of miles away and not that engaged however there's quite a lot of delegation i think that actually goes on Mm. um you know i think he's got a team of people there to run the club on his behalf that he trusts um i don't think we're in a situation like you know like randy Lerner or even the glazers who haven't really invested and well i suppose. Manchester United have spent money on transfers, but I don't get the impression that um, the kind of the the lack of investment, because there's been a lot of investment in the infrastructure, mm. in the medical side, in the scouting side, in the analytics side, mm. in the academy, and all of that That academy coaching overhaul, none of those appointments were Wenger's. They were Ivan Gazidis' appointments. So actually, I think at board level, things are happening. It's not Stan Kroenke himself doing them, mm. but there is an element of delegation there. Sure, I mean, so a, go on. I, I think it's it, it's the manager, and a lot of us are probably afraid to say it, and it's because, you know, most of us really, really respect and like him, and we don't want to outwardly revolt against him. Um, yeah. and And it's probably the same for the club. I think that the board might have some of the same frustrations as some of the fans around the manager, but they're just probably a little bit too enthralled Mm. to him to really challenge him.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is where I was going to come back to. I mean, I think that's the idea of the protest itself and the vagueness of it does allow people to express their disenfranchisement disenfranchisement and and disenchantment with the way things are going without necessarily specifically um, targeting the manager. And we know that, that there are people who would do that quite happily. Uh, but there mm-hmm. are other people who, who do want perhaps a new manager and want things to change, but don't want to directly, as you say, revolt. And I I, I tend to agree with you about Kroenke in that I don't think he's much of a problem, but I'd, I'd use the word yet in there. Yeah, yeah. Because I think uh, Kroenke is quite happy to look at things from distance. He's a lot of trust in Arsene Wenger, and he also knows that he can't really... Um, he doesn't really have any power over Arsene Wenger, which is a mad thing to say about a guy who owns 67% of the shares of the club uh, and, and the one guy who's a manager, essentially an employee. I don't think that he he would really ever dare challenge Arsene Wenger or implement things that he knows Wenger would be against. From, mm-hmm. from a footballing point of view, the way the club is, is run. I do think that when a new manager comes in and the balance of power shifts, so yeah. Im- immediately you've got a, a power shift at board level. So instead of the manager being the most powerful man at the club, Gazidis and Cronky become the two most powerful yeah. men at the club. And I think at that point, that's where I'd start to worry about the influence Cronky has over the team, not so much the team but over the way the 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 club is run and the financial side of things that he might just whatever you want to say about him taking his 3 million pounds strategic advisory fees mm. you know he's not going to take 20 million because he knows Arsene Wenger will will not like that but when yeah. there's a new guy in there I think he can do what he wants, and that's where I would have worries about Kroenke in the in the longer term. Um, not so much the short term, although I do I do take the point that he's hardly a guy who's got this huge ambition or or uh, ambitious plan for the club.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and actually, how ironic is this? Because we've kind of got what we asked for. Because when he when he started to buy shares and when he took the club over, and Arsene Wenger's stock was very high, everybody said oh, God, I hope he doesn't interfere. I hope he doesn't poke his nose in um, because, you know, what does this guy know about football? And yeah. We've got this great manager. And, you know, we we kind of got, probably got more than we bargained for um, in that respect. Um, but, I mean, to, to kind of, you know, flesh out my point as to, you know, people not wanting to revolt against the manager, that that is exactly why I personally won't join the protest because I, you know, I... I think he's done, and this is just me, I'm not telling anyone else, I don't I don't care what anyone else thinks or what they want to do, quite frankly, it's none of my business, but I, I will not do that to Arsene Wenger because of everything he's done, because of the esteem and respect I, I hold him in. And, you know, I, I think things have gone a bit stale and we need probably some fresh ideas, but he's he's not running the club into the ground. We're not in a terrible position. If a new manager came in tomorrow, that squad needs a little bit doing to it and it probably needs to play a style of football that's more commensurate to football in 2016. Mm. But this would be a plum job for any manager. You know, you come in, you've got you've got the bones of a good squad there. You've got the money to add to it, you know, I, and kind of a, a good, consistent history um, of success. We haven't had... This kind of season like Chelsea or Liverpool or Man United, have had where, you know, we've just had a complete write-off of a season and finished mid-table. The frustrating thing is we're always close. And actually, it doesn't feel like it would take too much to push us.
0: Yeah, but we've we've been saying that for
1: for a long time, but... A new, a new ma- you know, a new manager might look at that and think, well, I'm not picking up a squad that's like finished tenth, and I've got to pick it up off the floor, you know. Yeah, sure. I'm picking up a squad that's third or fourth, that's won a couple of cups recently, and I've got a shitload of money in the bank. I mean, the guy's not running the club into the ground. I think it's gone a bit stale. Yeah. But I think, and that that's why, you know, to me, there's not enough there um, for me to really kind of feel like the need to revolt and that added to the respect and esteem and affection I have for Arsene Wenger, I would, you know, for me to volubly turn against him inside the ground, um, I think it would take a lot, lot more than that, personally.
0: No, sure, I get that. And I think a lot of people um, would share that point of view. Um, I mean, what do you think the impact might be of this? Because Kroenke out, not going to happen. Wenger out is not going to happen. Regardless of how the the protest goes, but, yeah. do, but do you think it might be something that the club take notice of? That they become perhaps there's a bit more pressure put on Arsene Wenger in terms of how he operates. I mean, at this point, can they even do that? Is there any point doing that if he's got a year left on his contract? I mean, there's, there's talk. I mean, in in one of the in some of the bump uh, around the protest, uh, you know, that there's there's rumours of a new three year deal for Arsene Wenger. I mean, I can't believe mm. that that's even an issue at this point, there's simply no. no way. I mean, that is something that would spark a bit of revolt <laughs> yeah. for sure. But I mean, in the, in the, in the short term, and we're talking about between this Norwich game and when we kick off a new season, what kind of an impact can this protest have? Is it just to really make the club aware of how people are feeling?
1: Um Maybe. I, I think they know that. Or sorry. I, I think Ivan Gazidis definitely knows that, you know, he's not silly He's known that for a number of years now.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, um, they do—they do monitor social media. They do monitor <laughs> fan well, opinion. Yeah. We know that, so they're—they're they're, they're not blind and
1: they to. They do it. speak to us occasionally. Um, you know, more so than a lot of clubs in our position. Um, you know how effective that dialogue is is very much open to debate. But they do speak to us. They do—they do hear what we say. Um, whether they act on it or not. I, I think this is all about, I think everybody knows that Arsene Bengal will be Arsenal's manager um, next season come hell or high water. What this is about is probably about putting pressure on his next contract. And I think he'd definitely be offered a new one unless next season is totally and utterly, you know, we just fall out of the top four, don't win anything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they'll, they'll offer him a new deal. There's absolutely no question about that. But, I mean, there's two things here. Gazidis will probably regret saying a few years ago that Wenger's accountable to the fans. Yes. Um, that's yes. almost like giving a dog a bone. That was a, I and, mean, that
0: always struck me as quite a... Um, what's the what's the phrase I'm looking for here? Passing the book to a certain extent. In that, a little bit. In that we're I not going to make that decision, but if... If people make enough noise, then who are we to argue with the fans? Sorry, RSN, blah blah blah. I mean, that, that yeah. I didn't. I always thought that was a bit that was a bit mealy mouthed.
1: It, it was, and I was there when he said it, and it it looked like maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the second the word slipped out of his mouth, it lo- it looked like he was racking his brain for because someone said, "Who is he accountable to?" Um, and I think this is this is a question that's been asked many many times. And I don't think Ivan Gazidis had a a, a kind of scripted prepared answer for that. Mm. And he kind of said it quite slowly, and it was a bit mealy mouthed. And I don't think he. Re- I, I think he regretted it the second he said it. I, I don't <laughs> think that that was calculated. Um, but I think there's that. I think the other thing. Is that Arsene Wenger has intimated, if you read between the lines, with regards to his next contract. Basically, it all comes down to because I I don't think he believes that his ability is diminished. I don't think his confidence in himself is gone. I think he thinks that he's doing a good job and can continue to do a good job. It all comes down to w- whether he can put up with the hassle. Um, and that was the you know that was what it was about the last time he let his contract run right down. You know, he put, it, he put it all on that cup final against Hull. Yeah. And we know that Arsene Wenger is not a reactionary manager. He doesn't all of a sudden say, well, I lost one game against Hull, so that's me done as a manager. All that was about was, if I lose this, it's going to be unbearable and I can't be asked with that, particularly at this stage of my life. And that's probably what this is about now. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether people sense that or not, or whether I'm giving them too much credit I'd, or reading too much into it i don't know but i get the sense that the only thing that will stop him signing a new contract is if he just can't be fucked with it <laughs> anymore and i wouldn't really blame him for that and you know um well, I mean, look, is, it,
0: yeah i mean look but if it's a situation that okay he's, he's gonna stay this one more year and if we go through another season where you know we spend in the summer uh, maybe things look good for a while and if we have another season like this season and I'm not talking in the context of who's above us even. I don't even mean mm. that like in this season of all seasons with Leicester and Tottenham above us in the table. I just mean that if it's more of the same, if it's fourth yeah. place or third place again, I mean, the, the sentiment is going to be the same this time next year. Yeah. And if we, if we don't win something, if we don't win, I don't think an FA Cup would be enough. An FA Cup would be a nice way to go out. You know, you're looking at a Champions League or you're looking at winning the Premier League title as the only way that he could realistically earn himself a reprieve from all the madness that would come if it was another season of the same thing.
1: And even then, I think people would just say, you know, even if, you know, he won the league or the Champions League, I think most people would just say, right, just go now. Um, kind of thing. I, I do think it's too far gone. And I think the sad thing about next season is I, I think the trust has broken down to the extent that if we buy six brilliant players in the summer and we're six points clear in March, I think everyone's just going to go, well, we're just going to blow it, aren't we? Um, <laughs> well, that's fatalism
0: and, at, its, at its best. Uh, it's, it's dropped uh, into us, isn't it?
1: It, it is, it is. And everyone will just say, well, I've seen this before. Um, you know, we'll just we'll just bottle it and blow it and get injuries and the same old thing will happen. So I don't think that the fan base will be happy or united until the second that trophy is up in the air, basically. Yeah. Um, they're just going to be waiting, more so than, you know, all football fans are a little bit fatalistic, but this is like to the nth degree. Mm. And I, I think that's what we're going to see next season. We're just going to sit. Nothing will allay this cynicism until the final kick of the ball. I think, and that's that's kind of what's a bit sad about next year.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, that's just the thing, isn't it? That regardless of what he does, it's it's going to be impossible for him to turn it around um, in terms of what people think, and, and simply because of the various factors. Like, you you can't go stale with something new. Right, and clearly, Arsene Wenger is going to be there twenty years um, this year. Be going into his twenty-first year in charge. He's sixty-five years of age now, sixty-six years of age. Mm. Um, You know that's a factor as well. Definitely. Um, Other clubs will have new managers and will perhaps improve, or not all, not all of them. But you know, new managers bring new ideas and and new new kinds of football. So it's. yeah it it's a difficult thing for him to um to well i mean i don't think he can turn it around in the eyes of in the eyes of many people uh, even success um mm-hmm. won't do that so yeah i mean you you do worry though you know that the divisions that exist within the fan base i mean even now when i think there's i won't say consensus but more agreement mm-hmm. than there ever was that look a change of manager might be a good idea this yeah. is, you know, you don't have to be uh, a screaming guy with a pitchfork and, and all the rest of it to want a new manager. You can look at it quite rationally and say, yes, I think a new manager would be the best thing for us to have. But even if you share that point of view with somebody who's much more vociferous about it um, without using any like shipbox acronyms, <laughs> uh, which I refuse to do, you know, yeah. even if you are essentially singing from the same hymn sheet, you're at odds.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it is, and it's this kind of, you know, I got there first. I've been saying this for six years, and it's like, well, big whoop. I don't really give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it it it's literally meaningless. Um, so, yeah, it 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 is kind of taking the fun out of it a, a little bit, I suppose. You know, I I try to ignore it as much as I can. Um, and and you know, actually inside the Emirates, the 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 thing about this protest that. I, I think uh, all of the groups involved will realise that they have a struggle with, is that the kind of the genome of the Emirates crowd is not what you see on Twitter online. Um, but, you know, particularly where I sit, I sit in the East stand-upper tier mm. nowadays, and no one up there. I get basically, I think, a good thirty to forty percent of that crowd, like their only thoughts about Arsenal are when they're at the game and then the rest of the week they're completely disengaged they don't have twitter accounts they don't read articles about the club or blogs or anything like that they're just not of that world yeah guy I, guy i sit with you know he go, I've, i go to every single game with him and have for years he was best man at my wedding and he you know he he goes absolutely everywhere with arsenal like i do but he like, he does not exist in an online sphere whatsoever. He doesn't even have the internet at home. So he doesn't like, he doesn't like, he won't, he won't he even a know cave? this is happening. <laughs> he won't even know this is happening on Saturday until I tell him. Yeah. Um, and actually lots and lots of people are like that. The Emirates, not least because it's, you know, quite a generational thing. And, and actually, you know, there is a lot of apathy and not kind of that, miserable oh this is all shit kind of apathy but people who just who who don't know yeah because they don't they're not on twitter all week looking talking about protests and and things like that and actually a good portion of the emirates crowd come in 10 minutes late eat their hot dog read their program and go home and don't think anything yeah for the rest of the week and that's and that, that's why, actually, it's much more fractious at away games than it is at home games at mm. the moment, because everyone that goes to away games exists in that world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they just consume it all 24-7, it's whereas fi- yeah. it's, at it, home games, you know, you'll get 40% of the people, I think, going on Saturday won't even know this is happening.
0: It's funny you should say that because I just spoke about it in the intro, the first part of the podcast, just the idea that, you know, um, people don't switch off anymore from mm. from what's going on. In some ways it's great. In some ways it's I don't think it's particularly healthy. But, again, mm. it's trying to – I think if you're trying to gauge the mood of everyone via Twitter or via Facebook, I don't think that's necessarily true either because if you were just getting um, – your 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 idea of what was happening from Twitter or from Facebook, you think, fuck, yeah. someone's going to come in that ground with like a bomb <laughs> or a fucking machine gun or something. Yeah, you know. So yeah. there is there is a little bit of a, a split in that regard, I guess. But look, let's um, let's touch very briefly on the game itself mm. uh, for the for the first time this season. We have a full squad available in training, which is marvellous. <laughs> Three games from the end of the season and, and
1: everybody's fit, which is nice. So they can all go to the Euros um, and yeah. get injured again. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Ahead of, But I mean, I, I agree with you, what you said earlier. Um, the Norwich game is not... Is not one that is a meaningless end of season kickabout. It's an important game. Nope. The, the three games that we have left are important because I think if you genuinely want the club to make progress and want to make a step forward next season, then you know these are games that we're going to have to win. I mean, do you see him uh, changing things around a bit? I mean, surely, surely he can't play uh, Olivier Giroud <laughs> again. He's got to bring back Danny Welbeck,
1: <sighs> right? Yeah, you'd have thought so. Yeah, I mean, the the only kind of reason I can think of for not, you know, not picking Welbeck at Sunderland is that he has still has some kind of anxieties over that knee injury, and if if those anxieties are still there, then you know, we'll see, I suppose. But I mean, he's he's got to put um, Welbeck back in that that front three of Iwobi, Alexis, and Welbeck is, you know, that it works. Um, it, It works pretty well I think certainly better than you know a guy like Giroud who's not just out of form but is completely out of sync with mm. the way a guy like Awobi and the way a guy like Alexis plays like he's just we know what Olivier Giroud can can't do right he's 29 years old we've had him for four years um, you know you put a nippy mobile player who likes to play through balls like Wobian and you put someone like Alexis next to him and I think it's well established by now that Alexis and Giroud mm. you know don't really have much of a partnership I mean Giroud is so anomalous to that front three yeah. Um, you know which uh, you've got two guys around you based on movement and clever passes and, and you know dribbling and things like that and, and you know Giroud, Giroud is not the player to um, you know a, a couple of wide players like that maybe if you've got someone like Chamberlain there who likes getting to the byline and can get across in and whatnot, then, you know, fair enough. But, you know, Giroud sticks up like a sore thumb, even if he was playing well, which he's not. So it it has to be Welbeck. Mm. I have a feeling he might take a Wobie out of the firing line, whether that means Theo Walcott or Joel Campbell. We'll see. Um, uh, well, I, mean, uh, I know who I'd you, like it to be. Oh, I know two, who but... I'd like
0: it to be. But, it look, I mean, generally speaking, when he's had the choice between the two, it's been... It's been Theo Walcott. I mean, do you think he's trying to put him in the shop window in some way, or, or because I mean, it's not doing our chances of um, moving him on well, any good well, if he keeps playing him like this.
1: Well, my my theory is and I spoke a little bit about this in the week. My, the only theory I can think of right is that with Joel Campbell, he's made his mind up that he's a decent squad player. That's all he's ever going to be. Yeah. Um, happy to keep him around if he kicks up a fuss and wants to leave in the summer. He probably wouldn't stand in his way. Whereas with Walcott, I think he's kind of close to decision time um, and that maybe at the moment he's thinking, I'm not going to keep this guy. um, And therefore, he's kind of putting him on as if to say, you know, play for your future, prove me wrong, um, which Walcott is emphatically failing to do um, (laughs) at the moment. And honestly, I don't like to overreact to isolated incidents, but that, Kind of leap uh, that that might as well have been accompanied by a little shriek as well when Yunus <laughs> Cabal came near him in front of an open goal. That to me should end his Arsenal career. That should be the absolute one hundred percent. Right, this guy is not interested. Yeah, he's not playing well anyway. Um, that should be the kind of you know that should be the ad by against Manchester United in the Champions League semi-final, kind of, right, let's just fucking get rid of this guy.
0: Yeah, I would say um, it's the, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back for me, but there's about fucking eight camel's behind
1: that one. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So I can only think that he's just kind of saying, look, play for your future kind of thing. Um, that said, when he has bought him on, like it didn't make much sense to me at Sunderland to put him on and then take Ozil off straight after because it's like, there's one thing and one thing only Theo Walcott can do, and that's getting behind defenders. Yeah. So to take a player like Urzel out didn't make a lot of sense. And it doesn't really look like he's got a massive plan when he sends him on. Mm. Um, I'd like to be privy to the instructions, if there are any, when he sends him on, or whether it's just... Run, Go Theo! On, and... Run, yeah. Theo!
0: Run as fast as you can!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go on, try and do something that doesn't end up in a comedy vine that eventually goes viral... <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I, that, that's all I can think of otherwise you know if I were Joel Campbell I'd be thinking really am I you know I, I I think I've you know worked my way a bit more into your plans than I was this time last year but and you know I accept that I'm not your first choice but really this guy mm. um, you know so I mean if anything he, he he should really perhaps play Joel Campbell to keep him happy um, I think he's certainly more deserving of that at the moment than, mm. than Walcott, who I think should and quite possibly will go this summer.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does and what's on the bench, because he's got Wilshire available, Cazorla could be available mm. again, Oxlade-Chamberlain av- available. Maybe we'll get some, some insights there. But Tim, we better leave it there. Thank you very much as always. Cool, pleasure. Thanks to Tim. You can find him on Twitter at Stilberto, at Stilberto, and you can read his column every Thursday, as always, right here on arsblog.com. Make sure you do check that out. Okay, we're going to do, I don't know what, but let's have this, and then I'll think about it. Join us as we take another enchanting adventure into the world of the angriest man on Twitter. Everyone, I can't keep doing it anymore. The anger, it's too much. Where is the love? Where is the harmony? Where is that which binds us together as supporters of Arsenal? It's gone too far. All the name-calling, all the abuse, all the infighting, it has to stop. We have to remember that we are Arsenal and we all want the same things. There's just no point in being angry over every single little thing anymore. It's so self-destructive. We've got to let the anger go. I stood on a plug. Burn everything! Next week... Another madcap laugh-a-minute romp with the Angriest Man on Twitter. Everything is shit! Don't forget, you can hear more from the Angriest Man on Twitter on Twitter. All you have to do is go on Twitter and you'll find him. You won't have to look too hard, I promise you. So the weekend, everyone's fit, as we just said. It's convenient, isn't it? It's been a whole season. Of injuries and ligaments and ruptures and strains and aches and niggles and bashes and whacks and all those kind of things that keep players out. And I know every club has got their injuries. Every club has got to contend with the physical effects of football playing twice a week, three times in a week. They all have to do it. But isn't there something just so very Arsenal about every single one of our players being fit and available and healthy on April 28th, going into a game against Norwich, which will hopefully go some way to securing a top four position. It is just 100% Arsenal. What can you do about that? Not much. And there isn't much to say about the game in general, is there? just, Just win. Do that. Don't be fucking dicks about it. Shoot from distance. Don't mind what Arsene Wenger says about not shooting from Just shoot from distance. I mean, if I was a player now, I would have a uh, T-shirt on underneath. And if I cracked one in from 25 yards, I'd just rip off my shirt. And it would say, expect that goal, motherfuckers. But that could be just me. So I'm going to leave it here. Thank you for listening. As always, I really appreciate it. Remember, you can subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on Acast, acast.com forward slash blog And of course, you can download and stream from the site as always. What was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, yeah, the ArsCast Extra should be on Monday, but it might not be on Monday. Now, this is not my fault. I'm not pointing the finger of blame at anyone else except for James. He might have an issue with Monday, but that's fine. I just wanted to let you know because people get used to things. It'll be Monday morning and people will be saying, expected podcast, expected podcast. Where's my expected podcast? And then we won't live up to the expected podcast stats and people will get cross. So just bear that in mind. But I will keep you up to date, of course, on Twitter uh, and on the site and those kind of things. I'll let you know uh, what's going to be happening with the Arsecast Extra. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a, uh, an Arsenal win. That'll be good. And uh, we'll take it from there because then we've got a big game against Manchester City the following weekend. title decider... Oh. <sighs> Thanks a million. Catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. Alex, 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 it it won't be.